Ephesians. I'll have you open your Bibles or turn on a gadget. There are Bibles in the seats. Every other so seat has a basket underneath it if you need a Bible. We're in Ephesians chapter 2. I'll meet you in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. So we've been starting every service with the song, I'm so blessed, because chapter 1 was all about the blessings that God has given us, that we are incredibly blessed people. So we would sing, I'm so blessed at every, every uh, time we got together to talk about the book of Ephesians. I'm going to let the people off the hook today. I've got a meeting with the leaders. We can put that one away for a little bit. But I love the theme, I'm so blessed. Matter of fact, that reminds me, I asked the guys here at the piano, give me a nice, bright, open chord, something happy. Ah, ah. So chapter one of Ephesians, that's what we have. Musically, it's ah. Everybody give me an ah. Ah. Now we go to Ephesians chapter two. (laughs) The difference between Ephesians one and Ephesians two is a major happy upbeat chord to a minor distorted chord. Thank you guys. Give them a hand. They do a good job. Probably not as hard as I think it is because I don't play piano, but I, I asked them at the last minute. So I'm grateful that they did that for me. You needed to see the contrast because as bright and happy as Paul has been in Ephesians chapter 1, he immediately turns the page and lets us know our real condition. And he warns people. Today is an important message. Maybe you're here today and you've been in church your whole life. Maybe you're new to church. We don't judge you. We're not judging where you're at on your journey spiritually. But I don't want anybody to leave today not knowing, not knowing that you have a faith that's rock solid in Jesus Christ. That you can say, I am saved. Which means that you've asked God to forgive you of your sins and come into your life as Savior and Lord. Has that happened in your life? I feel like so many Christians or people that call themselves Christians hang around Christianity and they think that's all it is. We just, if we hang around, we kind of assimilate into it. No, no, you are adopted. You are made alive from dead. And that's why we're going from this happy major chord to today when Paul explains we're all in the same boat. And friends, it's going down. Everybody that's ever been born is in a boat that's heading down. And that's why we use the word saved. Last week was my first week with the teens and uh, we got home. Julie always helps me and she's like, boy, you used the word saved a lot last week. I'm like, what's wrong with that? She goes, I thought you don't like to use words like that. I'm like, no, I don't like to use words like ask Jesus into your heart when you talk to kids because that's confusing. Why do I want to put Jesus in my heart pumping muscle? I want to avoid those kind of terms. But I'm telling you, I'm okay with the word saved The word saved indicates that I was lost. I was in trouble. I was hopeless and helpless, and I was rescued. Does anybody understand what I mean? We are saved people. And maybe today you're sitting here not knowing, well, what do I need to be saved from? Why do I need rescue? I'm doing fine. I'm here. I'm hanging out. I'm close. I'm religious. Well, today I hope from the minor chord that Paul strikes, you'll understand we're in the same boat. Let's pray. Would you pray with me? Give this prayer to God, if you would. Silently, you don't need to say anything out loud. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, I pray you'd be glorified, that everyone hearing this message would be edified, and that Satan would be horrified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So as we move into chapter two, the big idea today is the gospel. Everybody say gospel. The gospel from death to life. Our whole series is actually Ephesians from death to life. And then the dark and the light. You see both sides of the screen. There's a dark section, a light section. It's moving from darkness into the light. It's moving from death to new life. And here's where we're going to see that come to place. There's a verse here in chapter 2 that gives us this whole theme for the book of Ephesians. Let me read it. You follow along as I read it out loud. Ephesians chapter 2. As for you... Smart watches. It just gave me directions to get home. I I, I don't know what it's telling me. As for you, you... We're dead in your transgressions and sins. Now, friends, look here. Give me your eyeballs a little bit. I don't want you to miss some of these beautiful nuances here. We could skip right over and not see it. You know from our study in the book of Romans, Paul was concerned about the church. The early church was divided. And we know the reason. There were those who grew up in a Jewish background that followed all the law, tried to be very good, tried to do everything exactly right. And then all of a sudden, Peter, Paul are out there giving the gospel to Gentiles who have no Jewish background and telling them that they can be saved. And now we've got a church made up of Jewish people that are born into that with these Greeks, these non-Jewish people, and it's one church. And there's always been a problem that the religious people didn't accept the ones that came in. How dare they? Who do they think they are coming in and getting our salvation? It was given to us. Jesus was a Jew. It was given to us. So there's been this hierarchy in the church of the good people. And then why do we got to accept these people? And Paul is bringing that out in Romans. Remember, grace, not race. We say it all the time here. It isn't about race. It isn't about the family you were born into. Sure, that plays into it. I'm sure people that are born over in India have a high propensity of being Muslim or a Hindu. I'm sure there's a lot of people born over in Saudi Arabia that have a high chance of becoming Muslim. It's a big product of your environment. But nothing in Scripture tells us that you are a product of your birth. I mean, you are a product of your birth with sin, but religion doesn't do anything to change the sin problem. You're not born into salvation. Each person stands before holy God. We are blessed. I'm thankful that I was born in America, in Romeoville, Illinois. I was born in Chicago downtown, but then we moved to Romeoville, and I had Christian parents. I am grateful that they taught me the word of God. But at some point, listen to this, it's very important. At some point, I had to own my faith. It couldn't be grandma and grandpa's faith. It couldn't be mom and dad's faith. I had to own it. That's why it's important, parents, that we don't just assume your kids are saved by faith, by, by grace through faith. That's why I want you to send them. We're spending all our time getting a, a, a solid rock foundation for our teens. Do you know? Do you know? Get this one thing right. The rest of it must build on that authentic faith. Here Paul starts by saying, as for you, When Paul's writing a letter to a church and he starts using you, and you'll see in a little bit we, or us and you and we, he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. Usually when Paul says in you, we're pointing at the Gentiles. Because Paul was a Jew and he talks about us. 
It's the us and the use. But I want you to pay close attention to what he does. It's so masterful, you could miss it. It's so simple, you'll just fly right by. He starts by saying, and you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And all the Jewish people hearing this letter went, that's right. They are. You Gentiles. They're probably all like, I like this letter already. Paul's given it to them. Who do they think they are? Dead in their transgressions and sins. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's right, Paul. Disobedient, worldly Gentiles. Now watch verse three. All of us, everybody say all. Wait a second, Paul, what are you doing? We were doing fine when we were pointing at them, the they's and the you's. What do you mean all of us? You mean all of them in their sins? No, all of us. All means all, that's all, all means. Also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we, see Paul's not letting them off the hook here. This is not a you sermon. Have you ever gone to church and thought, that's right, I hope those people heard that. Have you, have you ever left saying, oh, that was a good message. I hope so-and-so was listening. And then you missed the point. Every message is for you, for we, for us. And whenever we walk out saying, I hope so-and-so heard that, we didn't get it. So Paul is saying, you, but all and we collectively, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, if you've got a pen or if you highlight, circle the next word in verse four. But, everybody say but. But God, in between those two words, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. Or he could have said, but God, because of his love and rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even though we, do you hear all the us's and we's now? It's not a you anymore. It's a us. It's a we were dead in our transgressions. Jews, you have a sin problem from birth too. Your race is not going to fix it. We were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming age, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. What's the element needed? I want you to think deep about this. Don't miss this part either. Paul's already made very clear, every person who sucks air for free, who breathes air, every person is born with a sin problem, irregardless of what family you were born into. And that sin problem must be dealt with. And then here, Paul said it is by grace. What is the element that brings salvation? It's grace. Get it right. I know we'd like to say it's faith. No, It's by grace through faith. How do we access the element necessary for salvation? You access it through faith. 
But again, we usually get it wrong. We usually think it's about something I do to get saved. I've got to have a faith. My faith must be a certain quality. My faith, I must earn it. I must work hard at it. I, no, it is by grace you've been saved. You access that through faith. If you put your faith in Christ, then you access the grace of God, and that's what's necessary to save. Does that make sense? It's an important verse. You should, you should be circling. And I, I don't know about you. I, you know, mine is, I got so many things underlined, highlighted, and circled. There's so many rich words here. That's why we're having a hard time getting through this. Let's, uh, where are we at? It is by grace you've been saved. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we, we, are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What is Paul saying here? Have you received the grace of God, the wonderful grace of God? How do you receive it? Through faith. By faith. By grace. The important words in this passage are, but God. Paul's going to talk about all of our situations. We're all in the same boat. But God. Have you accessed the grace of God in your life? Have you placed your faith in him? Some of you are saying, I'm struggling with it. I don't know if my faith is the kind of faith. It's a beautiful thing that God tells us. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. It's not about the quantity of your faith. Just trust in him. So many people I talk to struggle with the fact that they receive Christ as a child. I know my wife did. My wife struggled with the fact that a six-year-old said a prayer. And she's like, I don't know if I trust my six-year-old self with that kind of a decision, right? And so sometime around teenage years, there's some doubt. I understand that. It's totally natural. But do you understand that a child that calls on God with a childlike faith can be saved? Yes. Yes, why? You struggle with that. Some of y'all are struggling with you in your mind. I'm like, you're like, I don't know. PD, you better put some caveats there. It better be a really good child. Better be a really strong, church-going child. No. It's God that does the work. Paul is saying it's not by works. And by the way, doing good deeds, that's a gift from God that he made for you. He planned all the good stuff you're gonna do. Don't think it's all about you. Look at how good I am. No, God said, no, they're gonna be doing this. Some of these guys this morning just found out they're gonna be working Saturday on a roof. They didn't know it. God planned it a long time ago. I'm just telling you about it today. He's got good stuff for you to do. None of it gets you to heaven. You gotta know this today. Don't think that you're gonna show up before a holy God and he's gonna weigh the good stuff and the bad stuff. So many people believe that's what's going to happen. You get there and he's like, well, you know, you, that one Friday night was really bad. But, oh, oh you got to church and balance that out. And, and maybe if you just go to church, none of that's going to happen, friends. Remember the thief on the cross. Never went to Sunday school. Never paid a tithe. Never sang in choir. Never did an SOS or a men's retreat or the women's retreat. No, he, he didn't get to do any of those things. And Jesus said, today you're going to be with me in paradise. What happened? Faith. With a little bit of faith, God applied his grace. Grace is the element we need. So beautiful. Nothing we can do. It's not about being good. It's not about earning it. No. Verse 11, therefore... Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth are called the uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Can you imagine that? 
you. This is the thing. This is the thing that the church is struggling with. Like some of us, some of us are the real. You know, we've been marked. We have a spiritual mark that proves our spiritual right. And Paul's like, some of y'all are called this, some of y'all are called that. And by the way, the only thing that changes that is is that somebody in human hands did it. I think what Paul's saying is, your doctor can do something to you, but it ain't going to get you saved. Human hands aren't going to fix your sin problem. And Paul's saying, there's some of you who are Jews, then you might have been marked, but it doesn't mean you're saved because that doesn't save somebody. It's supposed to be the distinction of my people, but it doesn't save you. Make sure we all understand this today. It's by grace we are saved through faith. And it's the work of God, not of human hands. Do you have him today? Do you know him today? Verse 12, remember that at, at, at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen? Paul just said, we've got a whole group of people that didn't grow up like you. They didn't go to the church like you did and follow the rules you did. And they're showing up and they're saved just like you are. There's no slave, no free, no female, no male. There's no hierarchy. There's no race. None of this matters. We are all saved by God's grace through faith. So he just let the whole church know, yes, those people who were far away, now they've been brought near. And then Paul doesn't let it die there. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself a new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, Gentiles, and peace to those who were near, Jews. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Can you hear what he's teaching here today? It's not a they and them against us. And they know we got we to make sure we don't do that. I hope you understand that whoever comes belongs. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we shouldn't be judging. We shouldn't put distinctions on people. Like, well, they're just new to the church. Let's just wait and see. No. If they claim Jesus Christ, they're brother and sister. Some people have gone to seminary and earned master's degree and doctorates. And others have just come in and don't even know the Old Testament from the new. And you know what? We all stand equal under the cross. You might not have grown up in a family where you were taught and so you don't know some of the simple things about faith and you're learning and you're growing. Welcome. We're glad you're here. This is not a a pursuit of knowledge. Pursuing knowledge is a good thing, but that doesn't create a hierarchy. If you're a babe in Christ, if you've just come to know him, you need to grow. Babies are babies, but that condition changes, amen? They grow, right? How do they grow? We feed them and they grow. They're nourished and they grow. That doesn't make them less. We're equal. Paul has just nailed it. The they's and the we's, 
It's us. Humankind. That's what Paul is saying today. Consequently, verse 19, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also a member of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in which, in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together. Everybody say together. To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. What a great passage. It might be a minor note, but it's so essential. Because we, the saved, must know what our condition was that we were saved from. How can you be rescued if you didn't know you were lost? (laughs) So what's the context in this passage? Everyone is in the same boat. All humanity is in the same boat. And I hate to tell you, that boat, the name on the back, you ever gone to Harbor Springs? And we love to walk through with our coffee and our Tom's mom's cookies Walk the dock of Harbor Springs and you look at the names of all the boats. Pretty cute names, right? They come up with some pretty quippy things, right? You know, if I ever had a boat, you know, Doug, you had a boat. If I had a boat, I would name it Visitation. So if somebody called the church and said, where's PD? He's out on visitation. That'd be a good thing, right? My second boat's going to be called Hospital Call. <laughs> where's PD? He's on Hospital Call this weekend. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Names are important on the backs of the boat. Let me tell you what the name on the back of the boat of all humanity. Hopeless. A three-hour tour. It's doomed from the start, people. That's the boat we're all in. That's what Paul tells us. But he tells us the great words in this path, but God, but God. We got a problem, but God. We're going down, but God. Great words. God loves us with his grace and mercy. You know the difference between grace and mercy, right? Grace is getting more than you deserved. I didn't deserve this, but I'm getting it anyway. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. God spared you what you do deserve. He had mercy on you, but he also extends his grace to you and lavish us with his love. Wow, we are blessed. Maybe we ought to keep singing. I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. God loves us with his grace and mercy. We also see that God offers us his free gift of salvation. It's there for anyone. It's done. We celebrated the table. We read the passage. Christ laid down his life, shed his blood for people to be saved for all. Whoever calls, Romans says, in the name of the Lord shall be saved. All people are offered this free gift. What a wonderful thing. That's the context. We're saved by grace, not race. It's not grandpa's faith that saves me. It's not mom and dad's faith that saves me. I will stand before a holy God by myself someday, and he's going to want to know who's paying for the sin. So what's our spiritual condition without God? I don't want you to leave today until you get the full picture of this boat named Hopeless that we're all floating around on. There's four Ds. We're dead. Everybody say dead. Classic passage in John 3 where Jesus meets Nicodemus. Pastors always start that message by saying Nicodemus came to him at night. I don't know, some nefarious thing happening. I don't know. Jesus is pretty busy. Nicodemus is pretty busy. It might be the only time they have to get together. I don't know. All I know is that Nicodemus is there. He's got questions. What, what do I got to do? How do I got to get this? I want to make sure I don't miss this. What do I got to do? And Jesus tells him, you must be born again. Why would he say that? I mean, you know Nicodemus didn't understand. What do you mean? I must crawl up in my mother's womb and be born a second time? No, idiot, that's a disgusting. Stop, don't ever say that again. 
We're not talking physical birth. You're already alive physically. It's your spiritual side that's born dead. And that's what we got to understand. That's the boat we're in. Everybody is born with a sin problem. That means your spiritual side is not alive. And that has to be awakened. That has to be made alive. It's dead. We're not talking you're sick. So many people get this wrong. I know Jesus said, I did not come for the healthy, but the sick need a doctor. But your problem isn't that you're sick. Your problem is that you're dead. Sick needs a doctor. Dead needs a miracle. Amen? Dead is dead. And we all need a miracle, not a a, a remedy or a cure as, as far as a potion or something. No, 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 no. Dead is dead. And Jesus confirms that. That is your spiritual condition without God. Before the but God, you're dead in your sin. You're on that boat. The second thing we see in our spiritual condition is that we're drifting. So many people are drifting. They don't even know they're dead because they're alive physically. Somebody once said, a dead fish goes down the river. Dead fish, live fish, you're all gonna end up down the river. Sure, they're living life. They're drifting in life. They're just living their physical life. But unless you're alive spiritually, you're missing the boat. The boat you're on is going down. The Bible says we're disobedient. We're called the sons of disobedience. We are, without God coming in and changing our lives, we are not missing the mark. You know, we use the, the, the illustration of pulling back the bow and because that's where we get the word sin. Sin means missing the mark. And, and the only problem with that analogy, it's a good analogy. We're not hitting God's mark because God's bullseye, the bullseye is absolute perfection and holiness. Absolute. No impurity whatsoever. And we're missing the bull. So the, the idea is we're missing the mark. But the problem is we're thinking that we're like trying, like we're getting close Maybe with some more practice. The whole analogy breaks down because we're not doing this. No, we're doing this. Woohoo, woohoo, woohoo. We're living life shooting in the opposite direction. We're not even close to aiming for God's mark. The Bible says you're dead. You're drifting. You are disobedient and you're debased. That's not a fun D, but it's true. Without God, we're debased. Our mind and body are simply driven by our desires. Sarks is the Greek word. Sarks, S-A-R-X. It drives what we do. We're driven by satisfaction. I got to satisfy a need, an urge. And that's why lost people who are dead and drifting, disobedient to God, they don't understand what's the problem with that. That doesn't sound like a condition. That sounds like a a goal. (laughs) Be driven by what makes you happy. Oh, parents, Parents, please don't raise your kid with the, with the ultimate goal that they would just be happy. So short of the mark. God, God doesn't want for your kids to just be happy. How about holy? Without God, our minds, our body are simply driven. What makes me happy? That's why we struggle with the differences. And sometimes the church forgets that lost people are lost and they don't have God. And so we argue with them. That's really a smart thing to do. Go to people without God that are dead, drifting, disobedient, debased, and try to get them to understand morality. You're not going to win that battle. I I hope you don't think you're the medicine that you're going to give enough of a dose to, to fix that sick problem they have. No, they're dead. They need a miracle. This is our condition on the boat, hopeless. And without God, we're destined. 
It's the reaction of a holy God against sin. God's wrath, it says we are destined for that. Unless God does something, we're destined. And it's not a good destiny. The boat's going down. Some people don't like to talk about that. But what kind of a God would God be? A God of inaction. There's a sin problem. I'll do nothing. No. God made it very clear. I'm going to offer salvation. Why do you need salvation? Because you're destined. You're dead, drifting, disobedient, debased, and you're destined for hell. Unless God does something by his grace. It's a sad commentary. And yet, the character of God, his holiness, demands a sacrifice be made. His love sent Jesus to be that sacrifice for us. Our God is both a God of judgment and love. That's a good, good thing. So what's the challenge to consider today? Number one, recognize the reality of your situation. Let's go through it again in case you missed it. (laughs) What's my condition today? Without God, I'm dead in sinfulness. There's not conditions of dead. I love Princess Bride, but they're wrong. There's nothing mostly dead, right? Remember Princess Bride? He's not dead, he's mostly dead. True love. We love that fairy tale, but the dead is dead. It's not just sick. Do you remember when Jesus did, this Wednesday night we start our adult thing. I already watched my Max Lucado video for those of you coming to Footsteps of Jesus. Oh, it's so good. It's a little embarrassing. I was watching the video of Max Lucado. I was in the, the conference room watching the video, and Ed came in. Ed, Ed over here, our piano player, head deacon, he walked in, and I'm bawling. I'm just bawling. And I'm like, he's, he's so good. I've preached the same message, and here I am crying, listening to, to, to him talk about our situation. He's talking about Jairus' daughter. You remember the story of Jairus' daughter? You know, this, this leader of the temple came to get Jesus. Maybe if I get him to my daughter, she won't die. And then all of a sudden, there's a, a disruption. And, and he's delayed because this, this woman came and touched his hem of his garment. And he has to stop and say, who touched me? And it was this whole scene. But don't forget, in the melee of all this chaos, this man's daughter died. One of the servants of the man came and put his hand on his shoulder. Can you imagine hearing these words of the parent? Don't bother Jesus anymore. She's gone. She's dead. Can you imagine the dismay the father had? But there's a curious part of that story that after Jesus finished with the crowd, he went with Jairus and he walked into the house where this daughter had died. And there's people there that have been keeping watch and probably pray, probably crying. And then the word comes, she, she passed. And Jesus walks in and says, why the long faces? She's not dead, she just sleeps. And then the Bible says they mocked him. Oh, I could feel it. You could feel it in the room. What do you mean she's sleeping? She's dead. She's dead. That's a story of hopelessness and helplessness. And it's a good story for you to be reminded that dead is dead. And then a miracle takes place. Jesus says, everybody out. By the way, the Bible says Jesus, there's lots of versions that say he removed the people. 
If you really look at the passage, it's the same Greek words used when Jesus cleared the temple with the money changers. Can you imagine? He walks into this room and they're mourning and he says, she's not dead, she just sleeps. And they mock him and he, he, I don't know, started making a whip. That's what he did calmly. It's never out of control. And he drives them out of the house and he goes in and he grabs this girl by the hand and says, daughter, get up. And a miracle, not a cure, not, not, not simply, you know, some medicine, no balm fixed this girl. No, a miracle took place. Jesus brought her from death to life. And that's what has to happen in an individual's life. We got to recognize we're dead in sinfulness. We're helpless on our own and we're hopeless without God's rescue. Do you understand the depth of our need today? Because we're all in the same boat. I hope you don't think you earned a special boat. I hope you don't think you've got a special life preserver because you grew up in a Christian home or whatever. I, no. Our boat's named Helpless and Hopeless and it's going down. But God, but God who is rich in mercy. So what's the call to a new, I want you to watch the contrast. Those three things, I just told you about dead, helpless and hopeless. Dead, helpless and hopeless. Dead, helpless and hopeless. But here's what we have. We're called to a new way of living. Get into God's lifeboat. There's a better boat in this world. God offers a lifeboat and says, get in this boat. That boat leads to destruction. This boat leads to life. You can make any application you want. That road leads to death. This road leads to life. I don't care what, what do you want to use to understand this. The truth is everybody's in the same boat and God offers a lifeboat. But God. So what are the three things? Dead, helpless, and hopeless. Dead, helpless, and hopeless. Dead, helpless, and hopeless. But God, and along comes grace, forgiveness, and mercy. Amen? Do you grasp this today and how crucial it is? Because what is your current condition? When you read Ephesians chapter 2, you have to end this whole process of reading chapter 2 and ask yourself a question. Am I an R or are I a were? Am I an R or are I a were? Because either you were or you are. What am I talking about? You, according to this passage, you, you either are dead in your sins. That's the dark side. That's what Paul's been saying. Like some of you were. What were they? They were dead, helpless, and hopeless. Dead, helpless, and hopeless. But God. Some of you were. Do I have any were's in the house today? Oh, I'm so thankful to be a were. Because my R condition was really bad. And again, I always say this. I, for those of us who've come from addiction, from those of us who've lived a garbage can of a life and threw in, you know, pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. For those of us who lived that life, we're so astonished that we're accepted. We're so astonished that he would receive us and take us in. That we wear that badge of honor, we're... With pride, I'm a were. My, my former condition, when I was an R, oh, I was lost in my sins. Are you an R or are you a were? Has God's grace been applied to your life to take you from darkness into light? Has God's grace been applied to your life through faith to take you from death into new life? Religion can't get you there. 
The family you were born into can't get you there. What has to happen? Has there come a time in your life through faith you said, I believe, and I'm gonna rest in that. I'm gonna sit down. Last week we heard about how Christ sat down to show that Forgiveness was done once and for all. Have you by faith sat down and said, I'm gonna rest in this. I'm gonna put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then he applies his grace. The moment you say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I missed the mark. I haven't even been aiming at the mark. I'm a sinner. I need you. I love that song. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. Have you cried out? Have you cried out, Father, get me out of this boat I'm on. Take me into your lifeboat. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life as my Savior and Lord. Have you cried out to him? If you're counting on anything else, you're in the R condition. You're still there in your sins. There's nothing else that can miraculously bring you from death to life. The only answer, get into God's lifeboat. How? By faith. That's the only access through faith. But his boat is a boat of grace. Is it yours? Are you an R or are you a were? I'd ask the team to come up and close us this morning. We're gonna sing that doxology. For those of you who are words like me, and you've gone from death to life, from darkness to light. You formerly were an R, and you understand that all oh, this doxology is beautiful. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above you, heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Stand, and let's sing this together.
If you're here today and you've never taken care of that, I encourage you, come come find me. We're going to have a lead, meet the leaders meeting. Uh, one of the elders would be available. If you need to take care of this, we'd love to pray with you. And you can ask God to save you today. By his grace, have you put your faith and trust in him? I encourage you to do that. There's a couple of things to leave today knowing you should sign up for. Men, if you want to go to that Barakel retreat, uh, let us know that you're going to sign up. But you take the flyer so you can go sign up. And then the SOS Special Ops Project. Those of you who can do work with tools, they're pretty handy. We need about 10 to 12 people that can help somebody get ready for winter that really needs that help. And then our family nights. Make sure you let us know so we get enough workbooks and things for each group. Let me pray and bless you and send you out in peace. God, Father, we pray that you would bless your children. Thank you that today we are the we's. There's not they and us. There's not you and them. It is us. It's we. All of us with a sin problem, all existing in a boat going down. But God, thank you. Thank you, God, for your grace and mercy. We, we praise your name today in Jesus' name. Amen.